0: baseball is back and the reds are poised for one of the best seasons in franchise history welcome into the lockdown reds podcast my name is jeff Carr. we don't want to just win we want to dominate and here we go what's up reds fans welcome in to the Locked On Reds Podcast. We are a week away from opening day. That's right, it is almost here. I can just about taste the skyline that I'll be eating from my couch watching the game on TV, but nonetheless... We're going to have baseball back. Got a few items of news to get to you here on this weekend edition of the Locked On Reds podcast leading up to the season. We're going to jump into a news piece, not necessarily about the Reds, but about all of baseball, something that I find very intriguing because it is a resource I use quite a bit. Also want to talk about our man, Derek Dietrich. It's nice to have him back. And then look at a few prospects who are making some noise in camp and could possibly play a role in 2020 and that is based on words that people at camp are saying not just your old pal Jeff Carr is bloviating and all that good stuff about We're, we'll get to all of that here in just a minute make sure that you are subscribed though to the podcast whatever podcasting platform you're using has that subscribe button you won't miss any episodes that way also check me out on twitter at Jeff Carr with three f's and follow the show at Locked On Reds on twitter facebook and Instagram I'm gonna try and utilize Instagram a little bit more I was planning on doing a lot more from the stadium but that will have to wait till next year we'll get creative with it on this shortened quarantine season we're gonna call this the quarantine season I think but uh anyway yeah and, and uh to one, one real quick note because I'm really happy about this coming up for the weekend this is a great thing for the weekend or maybe I'll save it for opening day I think I might do that. I, I finally found a bottle of Angel's Envy bourbon. I don't know if you listening to this right now are in on the whole bourbon thing. I know that there's plenty of people who are happy with bourbon. I'm pretty happy with bourbon. But when it comes to some really good stuff out there that everybody loves, it's really hard to find. And Angel's Envy is one of those. I mean, Don't get me started about anything that's made by Buffalo Trace. That stuff is amazing. And everyone knows it. And anytime you talk to anyone at a liquor store and you ask him about it, they're like, buddy, I don't know when it's coming back because whenever the trucks here, people are chasing people love bourbon around Cincinnati. That's just the case. And I'm definitely one of them. And I'm looking forward to breaking open this bottle of angel Envy. Anyway, I just had to get that off my chest. I'm really excited about it. So the first thing I want to talk about today, I told you is a little bit different. It's not necessarily reds focused. It's for all of baseball. And it has to do with one of my favorite websites, one of my favorite resources for studying the game today. And that is Baseball Savant, AKA StatCast, all that good stuff. It's. It, it relied on TrackMan last year. Now this year they are switching to a new system. And that was a plan that was in place well before COVID-19. It wasn't like, Oh, Hey, a pandemic hit let's change up our entire staff model. No, 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 they're, they're not doing it. The plan was in place. However, with COVID-19 and all that good stuff, it's kind of thrown a wrench in the plans of getting everything transitioned over. And according to Eno Saris, he had an article on The Athletic talking about this whole problem with Hawkeye. It said it could be a little bit annoying, at least at first. He even said thinks it could be a failure uh, as a replacement to TrackMan as part of a... Uh, uh, contract that they've got that they've got this new hardware called hawkeye Yeah, no not the avenger we're not going to be shooting arrows at players on the field no no no. this this is a camera system talking about like spin rate and exit velocity launch angle all of that good stuff if you're a sabermetric hater chances are you're probably not listening to me talk because i like to talk about sabermetrics quite a bit but this is a key uh vehicle in getting those numbers getting those stats and they're a little bit worried about it. Here's a quote. This is actually a, a, a release. And when you look at the article, Eno Saris has talked to many people in the analytics department for each team, kind of getting their feel on it. Got a poll for it and all that stuff. And not very many people are confident with this new system. They've been getting some weird numbers, exit velocities that don't make sense, spin rates, which we'll get to in just a minute, that are just completely confusing and they're a little bit worried about the validity and the actual, you know, value of the stats that they will be getting from Hawkeye at least in the early going before they fix the bugs. But they're kind of worried that the hardware itself isn't all that great. MOB did send a statement back to Enos Saris whenever he reached out to them for comment And in their statement, it says Washington state university is back on the road and is expected to test the system in about half of the parks prior to opening day. Major league baseball said in a statement to the athletic, the 2020 results in MLB parks have exceeded the 2019 results and our system requirements several times over. We remain extremely confident in the system's ability to provide the highest level of accuracy seen to date. Now that's, Pretty much what you got to, what you have to say when you got a contract with somebody, you know, they're not going to disparage it. However, the uh, executives and the people working in front offices for the team analytics departments have very little uh, faith in this system. They don't have a whole lot of trust. One of them said that, especially when it looks at pitches and spin rates and all that other stuff. Something that I really kind of rely on a lot, especially with guys like Sonny Gray. And one of the more interesting spin uh, players, pitchers, last season was Matt Bowman. He had a lot of spin on his curveballs. He was very high on the percentile list for that stuff. And this all comes from Trackman, which is now being replaced by this Hawkeye that everyone has no faith in. And It was interesting because whenever TrackMan replaced PitchFX a couple of years ago, they had over a year overlap, and the reason that they did that was they ran both systems at the same time, so they could calibrate TrackMan. They could match it up with PitchFX with the at least baseline numbers and the baseline usability. They only had a month last season overlap between TrackMan and Hawkeye. It kind of sounds like, uh, you know, I don't know what company you work for right now, talking to you, the listener. I don't know what kind of training program you've had, but I've heard of some training programs that are a little bit laughable. You get hired, you get trained for like a day, and then they're like, all right, we're throwing to you the wolves. Kind of sounds like this. They they really cut down the overlap time with the Hawkeye camera system. And The interesting part about this and the the reason that they're focused so much, at least in Rosaris' article, is focused so much on the spin rate. Because that is a thing. I mean, we're we're in the day and age, and whether or not you like it, baseball teams are run analytically. The, the good teams know how to take data and turn it into wins. And in order to take the data, they need to have a reliable system. TrackMan had become reliable. Eno points out the fact that in the beginning, TrackMan wasn't so reliable, but it got to that point. So maybe Hawkeye can get fixed and turned into that. But when it comes to the biggest complaint that they have, it's with pitching coaches like Derek Johnson and Caleb Cotham who rely on these analytics and they'll probably just use their own stuff in the bullpen. But when it comes to in game action, they gotta use the Hawkeye. And in order to figure out the spin on a pitch, they have exactly one camera and it's in center field. And they and, and the report, Eno know, Saris called it camera 12, quote unquote camera 12. It's in center field and, and in order to capture the spin rate, it's inefficient. It's a slow motion camera that captures things at 100 frames per second. Now that sounds all right, right? 100 frames per second that sounds like a lot. Well, yeah, let me let me point something out to you. Edgertronic cameras, which are standard because of the Houston Astros in bullpens and things like that, Capture slow-mo at five times that speed, so around 500 frames per second. Rap Soto cameras like what Trevor Bauer likes to use and guys like that. Capture it. They have two settings. You can tell it, okay, you can capture it at 640 frames per second or 850 frames per second. Rap photos are way better than this Hawkeye thing. And then even just for comparison for everyday use, something we can all relate to smartphones today that have slow-mo cameras on them capture slow-mo video at 240 frames per second. That's right. The phone likely, I don't know what phone you got, but whatever phone you've got in your hand probably has a better slow-mo camera on it than this Hawkeye thing. It just really sounds like they have an uphill battle with this new technology, quote unquote, because it didn't sound that new, and and then one final quote, and I, I just this story fascinates me because of the statistically inclined nature of today's baseball fan, and how Major League Baseball seems to kind of be neglecting that whole idea with this Hawkeye system. And a quote from. A player development executive who has used Hawkeye so far in these summer camps, he says Hawkeye's spin rate estimator is done by a Rap Soto with a zoom lens installed 550 feet away that samples five times slower than a rhapsoto. And the executive went on to say that's the best way to describe their method. So there's plenty of existing technologies out there that's better than what Major League Baseball has provided for this and they're a little bit concerned about how this is going to work, especially in a 60-game season. Not a whole lot of time to work this out, so it'll be something interesting to see. I like to look at StatCast and talk about exit velocity and launch angle and spin rate and all that good stuff. Sounds like the thing that captures that information is going to be a little bit unreliable, at least in the early going. So coming up here, I want to uh, give a quick shout-out to our buddy Derek Dietrich and we're going to look at some prospects who could make some noise in 2020. But first, the news came out the other day that Derek Dietrich was added to the 60-man roster for the Reds, bringing that total to 58 men on the Reds' 60-man roster. Still a couple of open spots there for them to play with. But I remember back when they announced the original 57 men on the roster, leaving Derek Dietrich the only member of the team from spring training not on that list, they left him off, and everybody was like, "Whoa!" There were there were two camps. There were there was one camp that was like, "Whoa, why why they leave him off? What, what do you do?" He he looked he looked like he could come back and do some good. He's healthy now. We needed to give him a shot. I thought I thought he could be something at least in the way of depth for the Reds in 2020. And then there was this other camp, like, Pfft. he hit 187. Pfft. Who cares? We don't need him. Let him go. Not that big a deal. I was definitely not in that camp. I was kind of somewhere in between. I I, you know, I, I thought that he could be something. He's very easy to root for. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to break down as to why the 187 batting average isn't as bad as Derek Dietrich can be. And he even mentioned in his chat with C. Trent Rosecrans for The Athletic that it was like he was hitting with one arm most of the year last year. You know, he's got two arms. He's ready to go. That shoulder injury really nagged on him a lot and kind of zapped his productivity. But I'm not here to defend him and say that he needs to get a ton of extra playing time. The resume made plenty of offseason moves and have made his path to playing time just that more murky, but it will be nice to have him back on the roster and a big shout out to him. Plus, the news came out that the reason he was left off the roster in the first place was because of COVID-19. He had a positive test on Goodyear. And he had mentioned in the story that he'd never really had more than mild symptoms. He even said there, there was a day where he just felt more tired than normal. And he, he definitely recognizes there's plenty of people out there that have been far more negatively affected than he has. But he is cleared, and he's ready to go. And my favorite quote from it, though, was they said that Nick Crawl. He, he said that Nick Kroll contacted him and was like, you ready to come out of baseball purgatory? And Derek said, yep, yeah, but I'm not ready to go to heaven yet. I'm ready to come back down and kick some ass, take some names. So I love this dude, man. He's so easy to root for, and I'm so glad that he's back on the roster. I don't know what kind of impact he will have. Like I said, the roster is pretty full, and he is part of a depth package as far as bats are concerned. Look, he's got some pop. You know, we can argue until we're all blue in the face about why 187 batting average isn't that great, but then you look at his power numbers, his OPS, and all that good stuff, and it evened out to make him an OPS plus of 100 last year, which means he was exactly at league average. And to say that a guy who batted 187 is a league average batter, eh, you're not looking at the whole picture. You got to look at what the rest of the stuff he's done. He could be an interesting factor. The thing this: he could come into a game, the final... Uh, series of the season, the Reds are playing the twins and they need that one more win to get over, over the hump and win the division. And then Derek Dietrich comes in as a pinch hitter and blasts a home run. That'd be amazing. And, and that would just be exactly what we hope for from our man, Derek Dietrich. It's nice to have Dietz back on the team. And one last thing too, and he's a guy that I would have included. He wasn't on the roster whenever we talked about this, but the the guys who had been kind of displaced by the off season moves, he's a guy that would have been on that list. Now let's look at some dudes who, it could be interesting to see exactly what they do for the Reds. And I'm not just speaking out of the side of my neck with this sort of stuff. I'm not just trying to come up with something out of thin air. A couple of guys have been mentioned by David Bell and by others in summer camp as possible prospects who can make some noise. And the first one, is our man Jose Garcia, who I would love to see get some playing time this year. Now, look, we, we, we've already said in the past that this year wasn't going to be his year because he's probably going to start at A AA or Triple A or something like that and get his chops in the minor leagues. Guess what? That's not going to happen this year because there's no minor league baseball. So he's got to get his chops somehow. Maybe that's just through practice at Prasco Park or things like that. But David Bell has some other thoughts on this. this is a quote from David Bell. Jose Garcia is an exciting young prospect that is coming on fast, and we want to see him as much as we can, David Bell said. He has never played above a ball, but because he's coming on so strong, he's putting himself in a position where he could contribute as early as this year. That's right, folks, as early as this year. He goes on to say, so we need to get him around a major league atmosphere as much as possible. I don't know about you, but it doesn't take a, you know, it doesn't take a telescope or microscope, doesn't take a microscope to really look between the lines here. He's on the list. And, and we've talked about the weakness at shortstop. We've talked about Freddie Galvis. We've talked about how if Francisco Lindor becomes available, the Reds should jump on him yesterday, things like that. Maybe the reason that they didn't go all in and trade for Francisco Lindor is because they knew they had something with Jose Garcia and his talent. And then spring training just affirmed that a little bit more. And now summer camp is affirming it a little bit more. He's seen some action at second base and shortstop during these scrimmages at summer camp, and he's turned heads. I mean, if David Bell is saying that he could contribute as early as this year, I'm going to take that as not just a way of calming everybody down. The Reds have not been in the business of making sure everybody is like eased into news that they don't like. And, they, and, and if they're holding something close to the chest, they just don't talk about it. So I'm not going to sit here and say that David Bell say, well, he could contribute as early as this year is like when that really annoying coworker comes to your desk and you're just trying to agree with him and get him away from your desk and get him out of here. Just, you know, trying to dismiss everything. I don't think that David Bell's dismissing this. I think Jose Garcia could be in the plans and that would be phenomenal. I'd be all in on that probably have to see an injury at least first or a COVID-19 positive or something like that. Somebody will have to go on the injured list, at least initially. I don't see him just all of a sudden starting over Freddie Galvis, but you know, if we're like a week or two into this thing and Freddie Galvis is batting like a buck 10 with 15 strikeouts and a home run to his name, Maybe i I don't know that that's just that's me kind of expounding on things. I don't know that there's too much to extrapolate there, but we could see Jose Garcia this year. Another guy who has impressed is Jonathan india dude hit uh, dude has hit a couple of home runs, one off of Amir and the other off of Tyler Malley, and they said they've been impressed with his work at both second base and third base. So India could be moving up. I don't know that we see him this year, but the fact that last year was so bleh in the Florida State League for him, and we've talked about it before with Doug Gray, we've talked about it with a couple of different people, that maybe this guy's a bust already. I think Jonathan India is trying to prove some folks wrong now. It's hard to believe that a first-round pick has a, has to have a chip on his shoulder, but I think that's where you got to be if you're Jonathan India. Look, there's plenty of people that have wondered – If he's ever going to live up to the first round pick, hype. And if I'm Jonathan India, I'm taking that monkey and I'm slapping it square on my back until I just start producing and proving everybody wrong. He cannot just kind of coast through things. He's got to really turn some heads. Sounds like he's doing that, though, here in summer camp. Another guy who would have benefited from another year of minor league baseball but he won't get the minor leagues until next year. Like I said, not sure if we see him in major league action. He's a guy that I think we have to see a lot of injuries before he gets a major league action, especially at second base because I mean, we're talking about a pretty deep position there. When you look at Mike Mostakis, Josh Van Meter, Derek Dietrich, uh, i mean hell you you could even see a scenario where Nixon Zell gets some playing time in second base if they really need him, and if the outfield is still pretty healthy and things like that i don 't know It just seems like a long road for playing time for him, but at least he's getting his name out there and getting impress and putting impressive thoughts in the coach's minds. and then uh, one other guy positionally Tyler Stevenson. He's got a homer off of Amir as well, and he got the opportunity to catch Anthony Scafani in one of the scrimmages for a couple of innings. As far as Tyler is concerned, David Bell was talking to C. Trent Rosecrans about him. He said, Tyler, he is in a great position being a catcher and being a top prospect in our organization. We're seeing why he can really hit, Bell said he's improving defensively. And he's getting closer and closer to being able to contribute at this level. But it's a very demanding position. He hasn't played above double A, but he's coming on fast, and we believe in him. We're going to develop him, and there's definitely no limitations on when he can arrive. It can happen at any time, especially given what we're dealing with this year. We're supporting him every way we can, but he's doing everything he can, doing everything he can also to get here quick. And there was also an article on mob.com by Mark Sheldon talking about how through this, uh, through the whole three and a half month hiatus, J.R. House was having zoom meetings almost as if they were like zoom meetings with the Bengals and Joe Burrow in the quarterback's room. Same thing with J.R. House and Tucker Barnhart, Kirk Casale. And they included Tyler Stevenson because they know that he's the future behind the plate. Tucker and Kurt are the main guys this year specifically, but Tyler's probably the guy maybe even as early as next year with the talent. They said that he's really improving defensively, like everyone said, but he's, he's got a head for the game. He's got knowledge and he's ready to go. It'd be interesting to see if we can get him in this 60 game shortened season and see that back on the field. One last guy that I noted as well, TJ Antone, he's a guy that's become really popular ever since the Reds picked him, a popular prospect for people to prognosticate about. I'm just kidding. I want to find another word. He's a guy that people are watching, a guy that people want to see succeed. And according you know, what they've been talking about in the scrimmages, he's pitched three scoreless innings, and he did it this past weekend, and he impressed with those three scoreless innings. And if you also look at his body of work during the spring, he had five appearances of six and a third, and he only gave up one run in those five appearances this spring. Lots of strikeouts. A couple of walks, though. He's got to work on the control there. He could be a possible alternate in the bullpen down the road if that is needed. If you see some guys going down with injury or some dudes just struggling, he could be a dude waiting in the wings there with guys like Joel Coonell and Matt Bowman who aren't in the opening day bullpen but could be throughout the rest of the season. This is going to be an amazing... I don't know what to expect other than I expect good things from the Reds. Now, how the Reds get there... That is totally up in the air, and I'm so looking forward to seeing how that all happens. That's going to do it for us here on the weekend edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Follow me on social media. All of that good stuff. Next week, got a couple of great guests. Chad Dotson's going to be on the show. And we'll also have a crossover with the Locked on Tigers guy, Chris Casalani, coming in the early part of the week, just kind of getting us ready for this opening series. One week from today, we will all be getting ready to sit in front of our televisions and watch some baseball. Thank you, Jesus. All right, that's going to do it for us, though. Make sure you tell your smart device to play Locked on Fantasy Baseball, and I'll talk to all of you next week. Let's go, Rex. Hey. hey. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.